0: That's how we can't run the Nintendo game show without him.
1: <laughs>
0: He's got all the settings.
2: I bet no one knows what, that, what that's
3: from.
0: Sounds like a game show. Is this for
2: a game show? From the 70s. Dun, dun,
3: dun, dun, dun.
2: <laughs> not whammy.
4: Uh, I was going to say, that's what I was thinking. Is that what? Not, not, no. not press your No. <laughs>
5: Joker's
2: Wild. Oh yeah. Okay. Jeez. In fact, there was a recent uh, reboot on it on one of the cable channels. I think like Snoop Dogg or something like that was uh, hosting it.
4: uh, Oh yeah, I think it just doesn't have the same charm as the original. It's a good choice of game show host, though. If you're gonna pick one, Snoop Dogg.
0: Well, let me ask you guys this: anybody else here into football, even casually, the NFL? Interested in the Super Bowl? Yeah. Only when Jesse the, only doesn't when care about it
2: though. Only when the Chiefs are winning.
0: No, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jesse. Sorry, I'm rooting for oh, San Francisco. Oh.
4: <laughs> you made him choke <laughs> on his
2: water. <clears throat> <clears throat> well, that was nice timing.
6: <clears throat> <laughs> I'd say go Lions, but that's never a reality. That's not, yeah, that's yeah, that's not
2: that's not, that's, mm. that's, that, that's what we're Well, we thought that was was thinking with the Chiefs too. It's been but years.
0: Yeah, I would, I would say that too. But, uh, yeah. It's going to be yeah. a very
3: good uh, next 15 years for the Chiefs though. So uh, you'll make up yeah. for it, Jesse. We might be 15 yeah. years. That's Dynasty. like a
6: little far
1: ahead. I didn't even realize until last week that the Super Bowl was this Sunday and that I scheduled a business trip for staying over Super Bowl weekend. So Ouch. That's about what? how into <coughs> NFL football I am. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we could probably find a good uh, local bar that's showing it. Hang out there, <laughs> bring your that's switch true. and play a the table. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That'll bring all the ladies over, right? It what might. you playing?
1: All <laughs> uh, the ladies that were dragged there to watch the Super Bowl and don't there. Right.
2: <laughs> or you go to a bar to what? With a Super Bowl on the TV, and that's what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably what he would do at home, right? Some of probably us be probably more entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I, I can second. You know, I normally try to watch Super Bowl anyway, but normally I care more about the commercials than the game. But this year is not the case.
0: Yes.
4: Got to be Maybe. crazy over there. I take it right, Jesse? I mean?
2: Yeah. We're, we're, oh yeah. There's. So we have a problem in in the this metro area of celebratory firearms. Just <laughs> over just the stupidest little thing. So that you know, I saw a news news story this. This evening, that saying, "Don't do that." It's, in fact, some cities are lifting a the fireworks ban for a thirty-minute time period after the game's over.
4: I guess you'd rather have fireworks than firearms. That's a fair, that's a fair right. compromise.
2: But but you know, under normal circumstances, both are illegal. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> that's interesting. Alright, so I, I'm rooting for San Francisco. Jesse is obviously going for K- KC, so anybody else rooting for either one, or do you care?
4: Oh, I got a good friend at Chief Tickets for a real long time, so since, okay. uh, I'm, I'm going for the Chiefs since I really don't have a dog in the fight.
3: Cool. I'm pulling I'm for the 49ers because I'm a Broncos fan. The Chiefs shall never win.
4: <laughs> Ooh.
2: There we go. Or should I say
3: Ooh!
5: Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yep. I, the only reason why I picked San Francisco is because of I grew up rooting for uh, San Francisco because obviously Lions couldn't get to the Super Bowl at any they, point and still can't. So. Yeah, no, they won't.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, no I matter to how much you So I right. grew up rooting for the Vikings, and then so kind of always always root for both teams now. But at the end of Week Seventeen both the Chiefs and the Vikings are still in the playoffs. and like, what are the probabilities of that happening for a Super Bowl? But yeah, the Vikings didn't last. Night.
0: Right.
4: Well, I'm, I'm surprised Tim doesn't read for the Vikings, you know, being from Minnesota. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot take! Hot day. Yeah. That's where those guys are from. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, let's get out of the appetizers before we get too filled up on that. And let's jump into our main dish topic, which is, um, well, actually, before I'm jumping a little too ahead of here, let's take a break between having the appetizer and getting to the main dish. Before I do that, let me just kind of introduce everybody here since we started. And um, some of you are probably familiar with others maybe not with others so let me just go through the invitation list and recognize everybody that's here at the at the dinner table first i'll start with chris uh otherwise known as rain king rain is in you know raining <laughs> Right, exactly <laughs> uh has listened to every nintendo dad's podcast ever
5: Wow, so, that's true ever yeah. <laughs>
0: oh, <my. laughs> yes he has so anytime that Jesse's not there you know and for whatever reason can't listen then, then you win Chris
5: that's right
0: <laughs> alright next up I've got Nick who is now the name changer he's known yeah. as Nick Tendo so if you guys seen him there he's got the number 10 in there but yes otherwise he used to be known as Sir Nick
4: yep yeah, I changed all the Nintendo, and now <laughs> uh, with a couple other folks uh, running the the AC podcast and Dad's podcast, so I'm pretty excited about
0: that. That is awesome. Well, uh, can't wait to see, hear that first episode too. And then next up is John, or otherwise known as the Block, is what I used to call him all the time because we didn't know him as John. But John, <laughs> along with this other guy, I guess he works with, uh, hosts the new. Dad's After Dark show. And also runs the monthly Mayhem tournaments. Who's that guy you work with, John? Uh, that would be Drew, the the Witcher
3: Waifu hunter.
0: <laughs> yes, that's a good one. <laughs> Witcher Waifu hunter. Uh fun fact, he and Nick are currently tied for number one core crushing score in the world on Ring Fit Adventure. In the world the world that's right <laughs> only by our pure muscle right, Dan? people who matter yes <laughs> in the nintendo dad's world i guess
3: nick became my uh he became my uh, pokemon rival this month so uh but we had a fun time
0: nice and then we've got jesse uh as you all know is a laugher in in our communities and even i think on twitter too right jesse and yeah, of I've course been
2: laugher for like 25 years right oh, yeah that's Yes. I I own the domain Laffer.com. Nice. (laughs) I used to have run like a bulletin board system out of it for some friends, but I think I just shut that down and just get a stale page. Like this board is down for maintenance. (laughs) And I still use it for email and things like that.
0: Well, what I wrote down here for you, Jesse, too, is that you're the glue to the Nintendo dads and respected RPG dad in the community. So... Which is why I think you came to join in this one.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, the uh, topic is RPGs, i like, I have to join.
0: <laughs> I have nice. to sit Thank at you. this table. Thank you very much for joining us at the table. Sam, third strongest mole, which is yep. a great name, by the way. We always say that, but I love yep. that one. And that actually um,
1: comes from one of my favorite RPGs. Actually, yeah. my
0: favorite RPG. Nice. And then, so I've written down here, top competitor in most of the monthly Mayhems. He likes to let others win, unlike John. I kid. I kid. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. All right. And then we have Tyler, who's new to the Nintendo Dads community as well, but uh, uh, also new to the table. Um, He's also otherwise known as True in the community. And his friend, and um, him and his friend uh, recently put out a three-hour-long video review and thoughts on Kingdom Hearts 3 that they spent about six months making.
6: Yeah, a lot of blood, sweat, and (laughs) tears. Maybe a little too many for liking on that.
0: Yes. Probably more tears than the others. If you want to check it out, it is on YouTube under the, uh, what is that, Kyle and Ty?
6: Yeah, Kyle and Ty, that's the channel right now.
0: Yes. Check it out if uh, you want some in-depth thoughts and reviews on Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts Three, and and all kinds of other content as well. Oh yeah, we we've, <laughs> we've got plans. Nice. So now I got everybody introduced. Let's get right into the main dish. And of course, not not a today or or in this show. I don't have any you know bumpers to play in between dishes here. But I'm trying to see if we can get this to flow comfortably, you know, as if you were at the table somebody's bringing out you know each course need, like dishes clanging or something yes well I did kind of I have I do have a knife and glass here <laughs> make some noises with that I guess and I do have my drink here so take a sip <laughs> all right the main like, dish just,
2: just you just need an hour-long crack and just run that in the background
0: there we go I'll make the whole some show. make some noises just, in the back yeah <laughs> I can add that in later, post-show. <laughs> Whoa. That is a, there you go. <laughs> I didn't add this that. Creepy. I, did, I didn't do that. <laughs> Perfect timing. So here's the main topic. What is an RPG? This came up in uh, our discussions, actually, in, um, in um, Discord. Uh, and I don't think... Uh, no. Yeah, so... Cat Janitor... He's the one that brought it up before, but uh, we were talking about it before. What is an RPG? How can we define an RPG? What would define it best for us as gamers or for the community or for the gaming gaming community? Jesse, let's start with you since you're the oh. respected RPG dad here. Okay. Uh, I
2: think normally, you know, generally story-based doesn't necessarily have to be a good one, but I think there needs to be some underlying story to push you forward versus just go to point A to point B and win. That's that's not as exciting. But, you know, it's some way along the lot on the trip, there needs to be some mechanism of getting empowered. And whether that's just... If, you, if your stats are flat, but you get better gear and armor... Great. If you level up through, through experience points and get better stats just innately due to that, great. Just there's some, so you get some sort of improvement. That if you go back to the beginning of the game in your end game gear, you can just wreck house. Versus if you have, say, a, like an arcade game like Double Dragon, you have all the tools you need at level one. So you gain nothing at the end. So your level one experience is unchanged. So that's I think, is what I think of as an RPG.
3: Yep. I I agree with Jesse on the progression. Um, And we had some discussion about, is Legend of Zelda, in general, uh, an RPG? And um, I kind of regard Zelda 2 as one of the more RPG versions of Zelda because... Um as you kill enemies you get experience points which I don't think is something that you see in any other Zelda game. I think Zelda so, uh, was the only one. Yeah, so you get experience points and then what's cool is you can upgrade one of I think three different um elements. So you can actually play through that game multiple times and you know become more of a magic user, become more of a melee and uh you know you have the ability to grind and, and improve yourself um, especially if you're getting stuck in that game. Yeah, um but Legend know. of Zelda in general doesn't come across as an RPG um, it's more of an adventure game and I think that's kind of one of the differences there right.
2: while in Zelda you do in the, in the normal Zelda game you do get upgrades like better swords and like more hearts so you can take more hits but really that's it and in Zelda 2 there I, I, I still don't consider the, the game in a whole an RPG but it definitely has RPG elements because of leveling system where you can put points into life, health or I forget the third one, but magic, magic. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but again, by the end of the game you should have them all maxed anyway so it doesn't matter what the path is, At the end the end game is still the end game. The main difference there is how you put through your middle game. Well, I think
1: ultimately uh, what makes RPGs kind of hard to pin down as a genre is that like more and more games do that. Like, just because games are longer now, they have to provide some kind of progression to give you sort of a carrot to keep moving. Like, most games have some kind of skill tree or at least new abilities that unlock. So that line's gotten blurrier and blurrier over time.
2: Very true.
5: Do you think it's the storyline from one end to another and the multiple you know areas you could have from questing from stories, or is it more the leveling aspect of... That makes it an RPG, in your opinion, Jesse?
2: I think it's a little bit of both. You know, like, say, like a game like Diablo, where mm-hmm. right. it 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 has a like a level up system where, it, but you don't necessarily gain you do gain stats by gear, and there is a a, a skill tree that you, to expand your capabilities. But you know, the the, the story is. Relatively flat. You now, I think Diablo three right. improves that a little bit, but I'm, you know, I, I'm more familiar with with Diablo two, but uh, the gameplay is more hack and slashy. So, I'm not saying that that t- doesn't mean it's an RPG because look at Final Fantasy fifteen. Sure, it's it's a hacky, slashy game from what for what I can tell, and uh, it's definitely not a turn based game, but it's it's still ultimately an RPG. Mm-hmm. So it. There, I don't think there's one thing you can point it yeah. out and say, because of this, is an RPG, but it's little factors that work together. Correct. So I thought yeah. one of the
6: big things with RPGs, especially with gameplay and story, both together, is you get that whole kind of progression of the story through the gameplay. I think of, like, uh, the Mario & Luigi series specifically on that. If you think of, like, Superstar Saga, if you have ever played it, you start Mario & Luigi, They're they're plumbers, they're they've started with those platforming games so all they can do is jump and so as the story progresses they gain more abilities they're more experienced at fighting they get all these abilities you can use in combat and even in like final fantasy games of old any of them you you start with like low level magic you level it up and as your characters progress you're getting all this better magic abilities whatnot and that all rely or that all relates back to their progression within the story they're getting more experienced
1: counterpoint though i mean think about like your metroidvania games and that follows a similar thing where you're getting new abilities constantly and it opens up more of the map but you wouldn't call those an rpg although like castlevania sort of when it did the metroid thing did add level ups it's very confusing
6: it is the the series or not the series the genre really evolves and That's what's so great about it, honestly. You can start on one end of the spectrum turn based, and then you can go to more hack and slashy stuff, and it's still all considered an RPG.
2: Well, look at Final
6: Fantasy VII. It's getting
2: both treatments. Yeah.
1: Well, and and I bring it up because, you know, for me, I'm not necessarily a guy who blanket likes RPGs. I'm kind of, you know, I'm picky when it comes to RPGs because I almost need something else to go off of. Because I've played RPGs that. Are really well acclaimed like Xenoblade and just said, oh, this is not for me.
2: Yeah, I, I'm the same way. Yeah, I, I don't like all, all RPGs. Uh, like, Xenoblade's a good example of one I don't like just because I don't like the re- more real time t- based system. Mm-hmm. Like, Xenoblade plays like an MMO where you have, when you engage a the target, there's an auto attack and then you can trigger special attacks that have cooldowns. I, that's exactly how an MMO plays. And I'm just not a fan of that type of combat in a single player game. In an MMO, it kind of makes sense. because, But when I want a single player game, I want something a little more thoughtful.
3: So, so I think the key here is that nobody owns the term RPG. So, like, you used uh, as an example Diablo 3, which I mean, I love Diablo 3, and it definitely feels like an RPG because you're leveling up and you're progressing and all of that but who who dubbed it an rpg right does blizzard i mean it's considered i think it's considered an action rpg or that's what people call it right yeah um but who who dubs that i think i I
1: think historically it's just a result of the earliest ones were an imitation of pen and paper games which were role-playing games Mm -hmm. you kind of lose a lot of the role-playing going to a video game because you're role-playing with an ai which right as much
2: as people like the newest definition of RPG is almost like a default if it doesn't land in any other category.
1: <laughs> it's almost, I mean, genres are only helpful as far as it helps a publisher or developer help a consumer find what they're looking for. What
2: they and That's only if the consumer knows what that means.
1: Right. So if you're a guy who likes RPGs, okay. <laughs> but I, I mean, I think it, we're at a point where like you know, I'm a lot more instantly interested if I see a strategy RPG. If it's just an RPG, I'm like, well, I don't know, I'm gonna need to see more. Yeah, the a, game like, a game
3: like Fire Emblem is considered a, an RPG, but like, you know, uh, like Jesse and I are both playing Tokyo Mirage Sessions, that is an RPG. Fire Emblem, I never, I never was never comfortable well, calling I, it an RPG. I, yeah,
1: I, I exclude well, strategy RPGs yeah. when I was making that little list I put together. Because um, I was like, uh, I don't know. And I'm not sure if I might squeak a Fire Emblem on there and like okay. number 10 or 9.
2: Okay, I just thought of something that's, I don't know how if I think about it. So if you drill down fight what Fire Emblem is down to its really basic concepts, is chess an RPG? <laughs> <laughs>
5: but you're not leveling in you think chess though.
2: No, but not if you move up. It's got the queen. It's it's, it's it levels up. It's, it's got <laughs> true. Strategy elements to <laughs> yeah. it, so right. it's more of a strategy <laughs> thing. It's tra- more strategy than RPG there, but it's yeah, everything is based on something else and
3: genres. Well,
1: and because I had a little more time to think about this, I kind of I kind of jotted down the things that I think. Maybe not they're necessary to make an RPG, but these are the things I like about RPGs. And aside from leveling up and progression, I have um, exploring, exploration being a big focus, which that's true of non-RPGs too, and also focusing on a party, not just one character. And that for me is actually a pretty good metric. A lot of modern JRPGs that I haven't liked, like Final Fantasy XV or Xenoblade, is that they make you control one character at a time, and the others are automated, and I never like that. Usually it's because the healer just forgets to heal you, and you die, and you blame it on them.
2: <laughs> well, which kind of goes back to the MMO aspect, like a Xenoblade-style gameplay. Uh, I have a counter-argument to that, which I think is really a, uh, a not the normal. It, it's, it's the outlier, but the original Dragon Quest. Mm-hmm. No party. You are you. Okay.
5: So are you saying you need a party for it to be an RPG, or...? I'm not saying you need it, but it's
1: it's kind it, of it, a general it, trend. It's the common And, and again, if you think about it coming out of role-playing games, it was always
2: a fun right? Right. Yeah. Because it's no fun rolling dice by
3: yourself. No. But it, what if you're playing Dragon Quest Eleven and you put all of your characters on autoplay, and so you're not controlling any of your characters? Is that Which is what
2: I game? did for most of the game. But you still... You chose to do that. And you okay, chose I to guess. do that for every character. <laughs> and well, you I can mean, choose to not do that at any time. I mean,
1: even the oldest RPGs have an auto battle where it just, you know, does the basic attacks for you, and sometimes it'll heal automatically.
2: Right, right. but in like, Token Mariah Sessions has that too, uh, even Dragon Quest Eleven has that too, but you can tell them, basically don't use MP, and that's right. what it is. But Dragon Quest adds a little uh, good AI in there that it will cast the right spells. Like, if it knows this monster will absorb fire, it won't cast the fire spell. Mm -hmm. It's more sophisticated. than. Yeah, it does have intelligence to it, and it'll use spells that it thinks it needs to use. And again, if you don't like that, you can shut it off and do it manually. That's your choice.
0: One of my frustrations with RPGs, because I'm very picky when it comes to that, but mine is more about how long will it hold my interest? Because Mm. RPGs tend to be really long. And you got to spend a lot of time with them. Uh, one example when I was younger was Final Fantasy VII. You know, obviously you had two discs. Um, that was for that time. I don't know exactly how many hours it is, but um, it was what two or three? I think it was well, I think it three was three discs. discs. Yeah. Three discs. Okay. Yeah. So it was it was a long game, and I think I got to the second disc and then stopped. <laughs> Just. It was just at a time where I couldn't, you know, just sit in front of that game and play for a long period of time anymore. And then when I just, life happened, I got away from it and just couldn't jump back in. So it's one of those things, too, where if it doesn't have a good system for reminding you what you need to move on to next, I tend to not play it or continue it either. So
2: that is important in longer games. Like Dragon Quest XI does a great job with that. Every time you reload it up, it tells you a, a summary of like the last two story arcs. You know where you are in the game, and uh, I I completely agree with you. If the story doesn't catch you, it's hard and it's almost impossible. In my case, it's got to grab me right away. If it doesn't grab me like within the first two hours, uh, like Yeez Eight is an example. I, I think I got off the first boat and I didn't know what to do, didn't really. I had no, still had no connection to the characters, so I never got into it again. I've always wanted to go back to it, but didn't. But it didn't do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but Dragon so Quest, just a
2: couple that hours that had huh? me sucked in. I did not want to put it
0: down. Like <laughs> within a couple hours, I take it. You know, to, well, you played the demo, right, and then continued on, or was that was that uh, builders? Oh, uh, builders! I had played the demo and didn't
2: play it past that because I had to start over when I got the retail copy, and I didn't want okay. to replay the last two hours. But uh he's eight, I. I had, I think I had a pre release copy, actually. So, uh, gotcha. <laughs> so I, yeah, had, I, I had the full game. I just, it did, the story didn't sink me in. Well, you can gotcha. kind of say the same
6: thing about gameplay for most any RPG. If the gameplay or the story is not enthralling, you're just going to drop it, especially when it's really long. I mean, as an example, I picked up uh, that Final Fantasy 7 VII and 8 uh, dual pack for the Switch, and I tried playing AI. I could not get past two hours. The gameplay systems were just bogging me down with tutorials, and there's just so much random stuff in that. I just couldn't continue. And then the story didn't even really pick me on any point. Which game it. was that again?
2: Final Fantasy VIII. Okay, yeah, there I, I That's a game where it was the the gameplay loop that I didn't like, especially with how to acquire magic.
6: Yeah, that that's a it's such a weird system. You gotta like a you gotta find an enemy and then you gotta like draw cards from it and only specific ones will have the right spells. It's it's so convoluted so, Then you have to so. use those to level up your stats or whatever and that just really didn't hit me but 7, Final Fantasy 7, I love that game. I know so many people Persona 5 is a great example actually. That game took me like 112 hours to beat. I absolutely love that game to death and I knew people who dropped it after like hour 2 because it just starts off pure dialogue.
2: Like Persona Four, you, in two after two hours, you've had one or two battles, and yeah. it's like watching a movie for at first until you finally it finally wraps up. But in that case, to me, I, I liked it, and so that got me sucked into the story. So a, a good story can help offset mediocre gameplay. A good gameplay, can, off, can help offset a mediocre story. But if both are mediocre or worse, that's one. That's a game that gets dropped usually for me. I think that's one of the
1: points where I diverge a lot from you know maybe the popular opinion is because I don't think even a good story saves a game for me if I don't like the gameplay. I am gameplay first, unashamedly.
2: Well, that's why I said mediocre. You know, yeah. good story and bad gameplay, nothing else save yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but I think I think even even mediocre gameplay, you know, it's just. It, it, I guess it depends what's meant by good story because I don't want to watch a bunch of cutscenes
3: with like, apologies. Hey, Took. I, I was gonna say, with apologies to Mole, um, I think Earthbound is a great example of a game with a really good story that oh. the mm-hmm. gameplay is not as good. Um, one of the things I loved about Earthbound when I played it was that, like, for the first time, I was playing an RPG with like characters with like real names that I could memorize. You know, Final Fantasy always had these characters with crazy names and they live in crazy worlds. And Earthbound was cool. It was like you got burgers to power up and all that. And I love the story and I love the scenery and the environments, but like the battling was really, you know, I didn't like it. I didn't like the timer it, thing. It's pretty
1: it basic. I do like yeah. the, like, down. I think that was a nice... It, for the time it was innovative, it made things a little more interesting. It was
3: different, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, but I mean, Earthbound is an example I would say. I make a distinction between story and good story and good writing. Earthbound is pretty good as far as story goes, but by story, I just mean the events that happen in the game, like where the game takes you. And writing is just, you know, is the dialogue interesting? You know, Mm -hmm. and Earthbound is one of those few RPGs where I will just run around and talk to every NPC. Yeah.
5: Because
1: I want to get items
2: from them. I agree. (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking back on Tokyo Mirage sessions, the actual gameplay loop itself, the the turn-by-turn battle isn't very exciting. It's just your standard turn base. But what gives it a little more, uh, what what helps in its favor, at least to me, is there is strategy in, in taking advantage of the weaknesses yeah. or, in, or in strengths, and building. You, like you, you, when you level up enough you're able to add new abilities. And once you max out the abilities, any new abilities is, I can throw it out, or I can throw out, ignore the new one, or throw out an old one and use the new one instead. So I'm stuck with a, can a fixed number of abilities. So you have the choice of trying to, you're trying to tune your character to be optimal later, especially when it comes to session building. You know, early on, you you know, no session moves, so you're not going to make sessions. But by the end, but if everyone's got a list of eight possible ways the session chain, you know, at the end of the game, you're making chains of 16 sessions, which is just amazing to watch. Again, you're not doing anything; you're just watching it play out. But that's still exciting.
3: <laughs> I mean, that game is crazy. Like you, you do a, you would do one attack. And there'll be, like, six attacks that follow, and they're the same animation over and over, and you just can't stop watching. It's just so exciting okay. as you watch every attack. Uh oh, so good.
4: I do agree with you, Sam, on the uh, on splitting the writing and the story. Uh, Golf story is, uh, is one that comes to mind in that same vein. The story actually, like, the beats of what you do isn't all that interesting, but the writing just was absolutely hilarious. Like, it kept me going the entire time. So, well, I you know, mean,
1: think I, about like Paper Mario. I mean, the story is just save Peach from Bowser. But, you know, yeah. the, there's interesting dialogue. There's interesting characters to meet along way,
2: And there's things for you to do during the actual gameplay. Like th- the. Right.
1: And mini, I, I think. Mini, mini me, quick time
2: events to yeah. increase your offense or increase your defense when you need it. Well, I think for me, the
1: difference there, too, is that when you're just kind of hunting for this dialogue, just a character says a funny joke or whatever, it's it's a little bit more engaging because I'm not just sitting back and watching it happen. I'm, you know, it, it's wrapped up in the exploration. And I think that's what makes it more fun for me.
0: Well, this is certainly... Uh... definitely a good great topic to keep going on i'm sure we could spend a couple hours on this one but i do want to make sure we have room for some of these side dishes we don't want to just gorge ourselves on the main dish here (laughs) (laughs) i want i want to be able to taste some of the side dishes you guys brought here so and then hopefully we'll have room for dessert too because i i'm curious about that as well so, with that, I'll go in the same order that I introduced you guys in, and that I'll start with Chris. He actually has a topic that he wanted to ask everybody. Chris, do you want to go ahead and ask your question?
5: Sure. Yeah, I... Um, so, I have a four-year-old that actually got a the uh, Switch Lite for Christmas, and um, he's been playing Mario Kart and uh, Sonic, but, you know, my question was really, you know, when you're introducing your kids to video games, is it... Uh, better to go with the classics or is it better to go with something that's a little bit newer to to keep their interest um so i was just kind of a question i was curious for feedback on
0: and before everybody, anybody with kids answers i just want to say to tyler i know you said that <laughs> do you count to be able to you know attend this show yes you do uh i don't know if you have brothers sisters or nieces or nephews
1: it, it's okay i'm a nintendo uncle i'm a yeah
0: it all counts so even if yeah, you if you, if you had
5: kids, how would you approach this, I guess, is another way <laughs> to look at that, you know? Yes. Well, since he called
2: me out,
6: I guess I'll
5: answer <laughs> right away
6: then.
2: Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let other people speak up first. Since yeah. One, you know, yeah. My kids are I, you know, I, my kids are old, so old, none of them were in the home, uh, home anymore. So <laughs>
6: go go ahead. I mean I'd say like keep them like modern stuff is always great because it looks pretty it's always it's going to be attention grabbing especially and then right. if it's something like they enjoy then it's something to be like hey here's from my childhood this is what I really loved I mean I know just yeah literally look at any game nowadays it's going to look really pretty that's what's going to draw at least some new gamers to it if you start them off with like an 8-bit game they're going to be like what is this it's just little blocks on the screen what's going on yeah Right.
3: Yeah, my my kids started getting into games uh in like the Wii PS3 era. Um and my younger kids maybe like more Wii U, so they saw the modern graphics and um I had an office that had uh, I set up my NES, my original NES, and I tried to get my son to kind of I was gonna get him into that and then move him along the systems. And he really didn't have much interest in the NES. He had seen the better graphics, and, you know, he just just kind of moved on pretty quickly. So he's not into the retro. But in terms of, like, games for, for them, um, I mean, I think they'll just naturally pick from, like, your library at any given time. And they might see a game that looks, I mean, they're gonna, they're going to be attracted to the colors and, like, the cuter characters. So, like, Kirby's a natural and stuff like that. And I think really just let them play and see what they get into. I don't think you can say, oh, you should start with Mario, you should start with this. I think uh, kids have a a natural tendency towards things they like. I've I've definitely heard stories of kids in in Nintendo Dad's group that are playing games that you might not, you know, some are playing Pokemon. My kids play Minecraft, Roblox, uh, that sort of thing, Splatoon. Um, You just kind of have to sit back and let them kind of figure out what they want to play and you know, just don't let them play like Sonic or something like that. Obviously.
5: Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> if you can. Speaking right. of got Sonic, away.
0: speaking of Sonic, that's actually what my youngest son got into was a yeah. lot of the Sonic games.
5: Oh. Cause so that's he, what, he that's started... what he's, yeah. That's what he's playing now is Sonic, you know? And yeah, it, it was,
0: it. well, he picked up, he picked up Sonic because of uh, the DS, three DS games that he would, you know, he would steal my DS or 3DS at the time. I can't remember. He's my youngest. So, yeah, he would steal that one. And then, but for whatever reason, Sonic, well, blue is his favorite color. So, you know, there's Sonic, he's blue. And oh, then there were some man. of the games on the DS that he really gravitated towards. Um, so he would play those. And then especially when the, um, Mario and Sonic Olympics would come out, he really enjoyed those games, too. Yeah. So... He did gravitate towards Sonic, but he's been getting more and more into other games. I, um, Like John said, I haven't really forced any of my kids to play the games that I thought they should try first. It was more of, they would see me play games. And then if it was multiplayer or a co-op, I would let them jump in. And then when they got their own systems, um, they would want their own version of that game. And then, uh, then they would gravitate to their own, especially when it was easier to get to the e shop for my youngest, you know, to be able to go in and download any free to play um, games. Um, or if he got some money on there, then he would download all these crazy things that were cheap enough to buy, right? So it really didn't matter, like, what if it was good or not. It was just like, I could buy it some and play it.
5: Right. And that's
0: kind of like what he's doing with the Switch, too. It was like, I, I wish. He he's got a switch light now. He he wanted to get a switch light, so he traded in his and a uh, regular switch and got a switch light. Uh, but I wish he had the regular one because I would totally do a video on all these crazy games he's bought on the Switchy Shop. Yeah. To try out because he's tried so many. Um, but I do have one kid too that's uh, moved out as well, kind of like uh, Jesse said with all his kids, and um, he's actually my stepson and when I was dating his wife at the time, not his wife, my wife (laughs) (laughs) when I was dating his mom uh, I helped her uh, move out of her house and when I came in and met him he was playing Goldeneye on his N64 and I was like, and I didn't have an N64 at the time so that was actually a console I didn't get to buy at the time Um, but he was playing it and he was showing me and we got to play and connect with that. So that was really cool. So he already had a connection there, but it was still fun to see his progression grow. And then he's the one that actually got me into some of the Pokemon games because of uh, he needed another player for the other copy, right? So he had somebody to trade with. So it, it, I guess it's just like John said, it was a natural progression for, to watch each kid kind of pick their own thing and, and get into.
4: For me, I think uh, I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old, and I've watched, I've watched Noah, the six-year-old, kind of go through uh, coming up in the Switch days, and I, it's been a good time for him because it's like you, he has Kirby's All Stars, which really helped him understand like the, the the genesis of platforming, what it what it takes to begin with, because it was like, well, I was Kirby, he could be whoever he wanted, fall off the edge, and it was no big shake; he'd just come right back, right? And then the year after that, Super Mario Deluxe U remastered whatever however many letters were there and that thing um <laughs> came out and um Call and that was show. awesome because he started with nabbit and by the game came out i think in january and by by the summer he was like he went from nabbit to Toadette because it was a little bit harder but still easier because you could be peach and everything and then he was luigi and it was like that game really taught him platforming i mean because it was like when he could be Nabbit, he didn't have to worry about dying. And then all of a sudden he realized he got it. And so it was like, okay, I'm ready to... And you could see, I was just really cool to watch him like just kind of go ladder up to just being Mario and so that is cool um, it was it, I just I wasn't going to get that game until I watched uh, Gary's YouTube video with him and his daughter playing it and his daughter was snapping. and there's nothing more frustrating than playing with somebody who doesn't die and just runs like crazy through the levels <laughs> while you can so that's yeah. uh, that was a pleasure
0: that is cool watching them kind of progress and and grow and in, in, in their gaming it's pretty cool that's that's how I've seen my daughter grow she's in high school now but Uh, Just to see her, and and not only in that growing on their uh, ability to play games, but their gaming styles that they're getting into or the genres that they're getting into. Like this summer, my daughter, even though she had it for a a year or a little bit over a year, she had Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And just over the summer, she decided she was going to play it beat it. And she found things I never even heard people talk about in legend of zelda when she played it and she was showing me so i was like oh that's cool <laughs> nice
2: so uh um, i guess i'll speak up now um basic i was when my kids were young you know that was gamecube ps2 era so i had those but i still had my the n64 and super nintendo systems that i would let my my kids played those initially, mainly because I didn't want them messing with the discs because three- year- old and discs are <laughs> the discs don't exist after that. Yes, so they got their start with with, with more with the retro, kind of on partland necessity uh, but I, I, so I would probably pretty much suggest I wouldn't force retro on them. I would just you know let them you know show them this is what we have pick what you want and like what you want to like. Right. And I, my, my, my son, you know, you know, ended up playing, he, Zelda is like one of his favorite uh, franchises. He's played like, like Wind Waker a bunch of times. He like marathoned the Wii U version a few months ago in like 14 hours. I don't know how he did it, but he did, wow. he did, did that. But, you know, growing up, he's played, played Ocarina a time, 40 times. Maybe I, not. To, maybe I, that's probably an exaggeration, but it, you know, at least at least twenty is not an exaggeration. But you know, so he doesn't even know how many times he's played through that game. So that that's you know, he'll he'll find he'll, the kids will find the game they like and just stick with it. And we'll, and we'll stick with it.
5: So. What do you think, Chris? No, that's good stuff. I appreciate it. That's uh, very <laughs> helpful. Absolutely.
1: I'm actually willing to, to add to this because I, I got to introduce my nephew to several games when he was uh, five and six. And uh, 2D games were a lot easier for him to pick up because 3D movement just doesn't come easily to anybody who hasn't played a lot of games before. Uh, but nonetheless, he loved just watching me play Pikmin. Uh, if you have a kid who likes to walk around the backyard and roll over rocks and dig up worms, (laughs) Pikmin.
3: There
2: you go, at least keep them clean. Most boys do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Pikmin is a good one, so that's a good one. Cool. All right, well, we'll move on to the next side dish. Uh, Nick, you got one that you brought, which I've heard before people bring this up and say it's a good alternative to Splatoon
4: yes yeah it is this game, actually I'll be honest this is my Mia culpa I reviewed this game and uh, I didn't give it the best rating and I really feel bad about that in in like hindsight being 2020 uh, because my son absolutely loves this game I reviewed it for like me you know like I, I was looking I was like ah you're really gonna you know this isn't blah 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 but I tell you I have had kids play that game from three to like 15 and it every time. Like they'll come back and be like, we just want to play Crayola Scoot. I'm like, really? That's the game you want to play, but they'll love it. And so <laughs> so what it is is you're on a you're on this little scooter and you can do you can do a bunch of tricks and they're not super hard to do. It just like you flick up with the joystick and, and you can and move it right to left and he'll do all kinds of all kinds of tricks. And when you do those tricks, it throws out paint. So you're getting the split too and um there are a lot of different game modes there's one that's like turf but it's exactly like turf war from splatoon quite frankly except you you can't splat anybody you're just you're just throwing paint with your with your scooter and the more paint you throw you can cover up other people's paint uh just like turf war in splatoon and then whoever has the most uh out then they win there's like a splat tag um and it's just it's a game that uh, i was like what am i gonna bring that that we don't talk about or haven't heard on on the main dad's cast and my son has been into this game now he kind of came back to it for oh for a couple weeks and i thought man i really feel bad that i reviewed this game and didn't really give it a great review when it really is a fantastic game um and there's so there's a there's a good single player mode to it to where you fight these characters um like you have to go into tournaments and come out number one and then you earn that character and you can play him in the multiplayer it's a four you know, and there's also a multiplayer mode obviously and it can be uh up to up to four players and uh it's always just a ton of fun and so if you've got if you do have kids and even if you have younger kids noah started to play this game he was probably four but i've had I've had my daughter play it too, and she has absolutely no idea what she's doing. She just loves the fact that if she presses up on the joystick, paint comes out of the scooter. So, and she's cool with that. Um, and so, anybody can really like like take a turn at this. Speaking of kids, and so uh, so yeah, I just thought I'd bring it up, especially for you, Chris. It might be one you want to look at. It's a little salty. I believe it's like forty five bucks or something like that. I looked at it the other day. When I was when I was trying to figure out you know about it and and research a little bit before this, and when I saw the price, I was like, oh geez, I didn't realize it was that much. Um, so it's a little salty, but it is a really it is a really fun game for kids. Really like it. you may not like it as much, unfortunately. But it's a
5: no, great. Thanks for the recommendation. Appreciate it.
3: Uh, Nick, you said you
4: like it, right? It's okay. I mean, you know, okay. like like it's one of those games where like Noah wants to play it, and he could play it for five hours, and I'm like. I'm like 20 minutes in and I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Let's move on. I'd rather play <laughs> so, something else for five hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's not, it's not bad in any means. The controls are solid. Like it's a, uh, it's yeah, it, it really is an okay game. It's just for me, uh, you can only play so much splat tag and Turf four on a scooter before you're like, just let me do something else. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it's not a bad game. Cool.
0: Anybody else get, uh, play that game?
2: I've never heard of it, so you know,
0: I still <laughs> I think I've um, heard of it.
2: A suitable
4: substitute. For... Good, I've done the right thing. I always like to bring something that people don't go. really know about.
0: I heard of it because of Danny Reese on Nintendo Shack. Uh, he was bringing it up as well, and took, and he was surprised at how how that game is a pretty decent game. So. Yeah. It was, it was interesting for him to talk about it. it. You know, people ripped on him for it, but <laughs> but that's cool. Glad to hear somebody else thought it was a pretty decent game, especially for kids. I'm sure it's pretty good game to rent, too, if you got a place you can rent it from. All right, next up, uh, sharing his dish is John. John, you got something you wanted to share with everybody?
3: Yeah, and whenever we do these dishes, I always like want to kind of bring up a game that's, um, you know, like you said, we haven't talked about on the show. Um, This is a game that I think a lot of people have heard of, and uh, it's uh, Into the Breach. Um, And some of my favorite Nintendo reveals, like E3 reveals, not E3 reveals, but like direct reveals and indie reveals. I think this was revealed on an indie um, stream that they did. And some of my favorite reveals, uh, this is one of them, like uh, Into the Breach, uh, Ori was another really exciting reveal. Sometimes people don't really notice, but uh, a friend of mine loved this game and was constantly, like, hounding the developer to port it to Switch, and I didn't know much about it, and then one day, I think it was at the end of the stream, they announced it, and it was a big, and I, will, and it was, I think it was a shadow launch, but um, a lot of people have heard about how good this game is, but I don't think it's gotten enough play. Um, I mean, this is one of the best games, maybe of all time, and it's it doesn't go on my top two, my magic top two, um, but it might be number three. And um, I just wanted to kind of go through it real quick. I don't want to take too long, but I just want to give a little more detail about why this game's so good and why like you might have heard people talk about it and like why you should definitely download it and play it tonight. Um, so I'll download it right now. The
0: time limit. Go, go. go.
3: So let me explain it to you. Okay, so Into the Breach is a roguelike turn-based strategy game. So it's a it's very similar to Fire Emblem. Um, but it's got some differences that make it amazing. It's it's by far a better game than the, the traditional Fire Emblem games. Um, the only thing it will lack is personality, characters, that sort of thing. And for some people that's a that's a deal killer, but um, this game is amazing. So let me explain how it works, because it's a roguelike turn-based game. Um, so what happens is, in the beginning of the game, you start a new game, and you pick a pilot. Um, you, you, so you basically have one character. Um, you pick a, a pilot. When, I think when you start the game, you get a guy named Ralph Carlson. It's the only guy you can pick. And every pilot has a special skill, one special skill. Um, so this guy gets more XP when he kills enemies, um, which helps you to progress a little faster. Um, then what you do is you pick a squad of robots. You, there's, each squad has three robots. Um, so it's not like Fire Emblem when you have five, six, seven characters um, playing. You only have three robots. And you play on these little, like, maps. Um, there's one team, one squad that you can, that you can play with when, when it begins. They're called the Riftwalkers. Um, and it's like uh, it's like a cyborg robot that's like a melee guy. Uh, and then there's, like, a tank that can shoot, like, across the whole map. And then there's, like, uh, another one that can, like, lob bullets over buildings, over whatever. Um, so you position your guys when you play, and then you just go. So every time you start a game, it's, it's called a timeline. And in the timeline, I'll explain the timeline in a second. But in the timeline, um, there are four islands And you can pick whatever island you want to play through. Um, Each island has certain, you know, layouts and that sort of thing. Um, You pick an island, and each island has, like, a set of territories. And you have to go through, like, I think, like, four or five of them to beat the island. Um, So what will happen is you play through, like, four areas of that island, and then they'll unlock the corporate area, and that's, like, the mini-boss for that island. Um, You get through that level, and you've conquered the island. Um, After you've beaten, I think, a couple of islands, you unlock the final boss. I don't know what you'd call it, the final boss island or whatever. It's this pretty hard level. And if you can beat that level, you win the timeline. Um, You won't win the timeline like when you first start playing this game. You will get crushed. And I remember when I first started playing this game, I said to my friend, like, why do you like this game? Like, I'm terrible at it. And that's what makes this game so freaking good. So when you play a Fire Emblem game, you tend tend to have like six or seven guys and your strategy is to go kill. Just like, go kill, go kill. At at most your strategy is, I won't attack this guy because if I attack him, he'll take health from me and then the next turn I die. Um, What makes Into the Breach so good is that your goal is not to kill all the enemies. You could kill none of the enemies and you can still beat a level perfectly. The goal is to protect the, the citizens of the level. They, they live in buildings, and you don't want the buildings to get damaged. Um, and so what you do is instead of like attacking enemies, and you can, you can attack and kill enemies, um, what happens is on each turn you take, the enemies will actually telegraph what they're going to do. So if there's a tank, for example, it might say, uh, I'm going to shoot to my left, and maybe it's aiming at a building. Um, no matter what happens on your turn, they are gonna shoot to their left. So even if you knock them two squares up, they're gonna shoot to the left. So you might knock one of the enemies so that he moves over a square, and then when he shoots the left, he kills one of the other enemies. Or he might shoot into a mountain or something like that. Um, You can push enemies into water. You can do any number of things. but there's so much strategy because if you just try to overpower the enemies, which is what I did the first, like the first few timelines I did, I'm just trying to like kill them and I'm like, I have, I'm, I'm like not powerful. How do I do this? Um, but you start to learn to like play smart. And so like you'll play through it and there's lots of enemies on the screen and you're just managing them and having them hit each other and whatever. Um, so, every level has a set of challenges, and if you decide to go for the challenges, you don't have to. Um, you get power-ups that will make you stronger in the game. A lot of roguelikes are like this, where you can do something a little harder in order to get a little bit more powerful. It's like risk-reward. Like, you see that in Enter the Gungeon and like all of them. Um, and this is the same way. If you can like, accomplish these challenges, you'll get these little power-up, uh, these little tokens, which you can use to power your guys up or get energy back. That sort of thing. Um, if you lose the timeline, so when, when you lose, when a certain number of, I think it's like a certain number of um, power. You have like certain number. Your energy is like power symbols. And if you die, if you if you give up too much damage to the city, um, you lose. But if your pilot survives, your pilot gets, I don't know what he does, gets into a time machine and goes back in time, and then you start a new timeline with that pilot. <laughs> and that pilot keeps their, keeps their power-ups. That's where the title of the game, Into the Breach, the breach is sort of like the time continuum. nice um, So then you have a powered-up pilot that you now can start the game over again with, to make it a little easier on the second timeline. If your pilot dies, um, and I've had that happen where I almost beat the game the first time I got to the end, I almost beat the game. And not only did I not beat the game, but my pilot died and I had to start from scratch. It was like the worst feeling in the world. Um, so all of this wow. makes this game <laughs> incredible. But like, uh, you know when you know when people ask the question, like if you could only play one game for the rest of your life on an island, which would you choose? This one is one of them because um, the breadth, like if you beat the game, it's a roguelike, right? If you beat the game, it's like, yeah, you're not done. There's more to do. So there are eight different squads of robots. Um, you unlock seven of them through the game. Uh, they make you... If you want to 100% the game, you have to beat the game with all eight squads of robots. Um, you have to do it on all the difficulties and... like, Remember I said before, if you, have, if you defeat two islands, you can go right to the boss island? Well, there's four islands, so you have to continue and do a third and a fourth island before going to the boss island. Um, you have to do it with all the squads. Um, there's, each squad has three challenges. So, for example, one of the challenges is drown three enemies in a battle. Um, so if you do that, you accomplish that achievement for that squad. Um, so there's basically 30 uh, challenges you can do with the squads. And then there's these 25 global challenges. Like if you stop 100 enemies from coming out of the ground, um, you'll get that achievement too. So there's like so much to do, so much strategy. That like I said,
2: cumulative overall gameplays or only yeah, over that's
3: a cumulative over time. So the more you play, eventually unlock them. Okay, but like I, I said, how to
2: do that in one run or
3: not? No, no, no. Um, it's it's so much fun and it's so creative. Like I said, you can you can. The, the enemies come out of the ground, and you can like shove an enemy over a space. Like, an enemy's going to attack a building. You can shove them over a space so they miss the building, and they're standing on top of an enemy that's about to come out of the ground, and that kills the enemy that was coming out of the ground. Um, it's just like, it's like, like you were mentioning before, it's like five dimensional chess, and it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's really an incredible game. And, and like I said, I know, like, guy, you've probably all heard about it. Um, give it give it a go man it's it's just one of the best games you'll play um they had another game that was really popular that was a little older the graphics are much more uh they don't port that one to the switch the graphics are 2d and kind of bad um but yeah these these guys i mean the game design is like tour de force it's amazing it all comes together so well roguelike everything um uh definitely if you like fire emblem or War Groove, or games like that—you uh, just love this game. It's—it's it's absolutely incredible.
0: So, Switch Island, if you're listening, that's what John would bring to his island—is—is is Into the Breach. Yes, <laughs> that's what you would definitely bring to the island. All right, awesome. Anybody else have this game, or now interested because of John's? Uh, this has uh,
5: been on my wish list for a while, but I've not pulled the trigger yet. So, that I'm glad you brought that up.
3: It's—it's nice. it's great value. Uh, it's probably i think it's like 20 bucks um great value you can play it forever i i beat it maybe a year ago for the first time and i still i still come back to it constantly um there's so much to do and it's just it's so fun and like i said with the roguelike you could just play through it for 20 30 minutes and then you're done you know it's not like you if you come back to it later you don't know where you are in the story it's it's one of those games it's great
1: yeah, I'll, I'll second all of that. It's a great game, and getting good at it just makes you feel smart. It's It feels like, you know, when you clear a map, it feels like you solved a puzzle.
0: Yeah. That's cool. It that is on my wish list, too. I just never got around to it, because those are one of those things where I know I'll spend a lot of time with that, and so I have to pick and choose those games I'm going to spend a lot of time with before I <laughs> buy them or something. So, Alright, so... Uh, Jesse, I know I'm going in order, but if you don't mind, because I want to hear your story if we can uh, get to yours after we hear the next uh, couple games. That's fine. Cool. Sam, your RPG that you wanted to
1: share? Yes, so I was bringing to the table uh, Bug Fables. I mentioned this a couple times in Discord. This is another one of those uh, indie games that's sort of filling a void. Uh, It's basically Paper Mario. uh, And pretty shamelessly rips off Paper Mario, but in the best way possible. Uh, It goes right down to like the little tabs that separate areas with that kind of pop-up book art style. They look exactly like the ones in the first Paper Mario. So it's definitely imitating it in that and its battle system. It's easier to just say the ways it's different. Um, The biggest one being that you have three characters that are your main characters and they all fight together all the time. So you have a party of three, uh, all of them have their own hit points. They share a pool of—they're uh, uh, called teamwork points. They're your flower points um, for your special moves. Um, they all have their own abilities. Overall, the comp- because of that, uh, the battle system's a little bit more complex. Um, because your guy in the front is going to get hit more. He's going to get attacked more frequently, but he gets plus one to his damage. Uh, And there is also a mechanic called the Turn Relay, where you can have a character pass their turn to another character, but that reduces their attack by one. So you really only want to do that if you need that character's attack, because they all have different strengths and weaknesses. Like uh, uh, V, the bee, is the only character that can hit flying enemies, because she has a ranged attack. Whereas uh, Kabu, the beetle, can only hit the first character on the ground, He's like your hammer in Paper Mario, but he also has the property that he ignores defense, and he can flip enemies over so that their defense is zero when other people attack. So there's a lot of interplay there. Uh, And the battle system's also a bit harder, especially because there is a hard mode. Uh, It's literally the second character you talk to gives you a hard mode medal. You can equip or unequip it at any time, and the game is actually legitimately hard with this equipped which is something you don't really get from paper mario um so most of the bosses i have not beaten on my first try because i've been playing entirely through hard mode and the game does incentivize that because if you beat bosses in hard mode and go back to the guy who gave you the medal he gives you extra medals that you can only get that way well if you don't get them that way they'll appear in a special shop where you can buy them so you don't necessarily miss out on them but it gives you that little push, like, hey, here's something for
2: putting in the effort. Are these medals similar to the ones in Paper Mario where they are, they stat boost? Uh,
1: some uh, of them do. A lot of them have trade-offs. Boost. So, like, there's one that gives plus one defense to the person in the back. Uh, there's one I just got that is very powerful but has a huge trade-off. It gives you plus three attack, but it makes it so you cannot use turn relay, receive turn relay... Use items, or basically, you can only use the basic attack, or do nothing, or spy, which is your tattle function. But you can't use items. You can't use special attacks. You can't uh, See, use yeah. turn relay.
2: Those are the ones that are hard to, hard to choose to use.
1: Right, but they, I I have found it to be very helpful because of a specific loadout I've used. And okay. keep in mind, my other and characters that's what it's there for. Items. <laughs> yeah. So and there's a lot of. You know, changing your loadout helps in a lot of instances. So I've I've found the battle system overall to actually be better than Paper Mario in that it's more rewarding uh, because of that complexity and because there's actual challenge there. Um, But you know, it's not Paper Mario, so you know, part of the charm is seeing Mario, and you're not going to have that here. But it it has a charm its own. It's a very good game overall. Um, You know, the the writing is pretty good too. I mean, the characters are fun. it's not as good as Paper Mario, but not many things on.
2: What was the name of that game again?
1: Uh, Bug Fa- The full title is Bug Fables: The
3: Everlasting Sapper. Is this on the Switch? Uh, it three? is coming to Switch
1: and oh, PS4 okay, I can't find at it. an undetermined
3: date. Okay. So I got it on Steam. <laughs> All
1: right. Uh, I was debating whether or not to do so because I saw it was coming to Switch, and I would like to play it on Switch. But okay. initially, they gave a release date of 2019. Obviously, that is not happening. It <laughs> yeah. came out on mm-hmm. Steam in November. I didn't know about it until um, the holiday sale. Steam did some holiday sale thing. They had like a special Steam lab that recommended games for you. And that's how I found it. And I was like, how do I not know about this? This is Paper Mario, and I don't know about it.
2: Sounds like an interesting game for 20 bucks. Yeah, I 20
1: bucks. So I, I pulled the trigger. I usually don't buy games on Steam unless they're on sale. I think it was 10% off during the holiday sale, but that's, you know, it, but ultimately I bought so many other games in the holiday sale that I had the like $5 off coupon. I'm like, well, this is what I'm going to use it on.
0: There you go. Well, thanks yeah, it was
2: a lot. It was, a, it was a relatively new game. It's only been out for about two months.
0: Yep and looks like some people might be adding it to their wish list once it comes out on the switch.
4: <laughs> yeah, it sounds really cool. That's why I was over here searching for it. I was like, man, why can't I have yeah, it?
1: Yeah, so I mean the the main thing is it's you know, instead of Mario like everything centers around bugs. So your your main team is a uh, you've got a beetle, a bee and a moth um, and you're you're trying to you're going on a quest for the ant queen. She wants to find the everlasting sapling which is like it's basically the Fountain of Youth, um, but you you want to find these relics, and and the plot has I've I haven't beaten the game yet, but I'm in chapter five. There's eight chapters, um, so it, it it starts to take some turns around that point. Uh, so I won't give anything away, but it you know it, it's it's a very interesting game overall. Uh, at first, I was a little disappointed in like the environments because like chapter one is you're just exploring like a cave. And the boss is a spider. Like, it's not that <laughs> exciting. Like, there are some, like, ancient ruins in the cave, but you don't really get to those until you return later. Um, but, like, Chapter 3, for example, takes place in the Beehive. And it's not just a Beehive. They've got, like, weird automatic doors and robot bees that make honey for them. and So it, it gets more interesting as time goes on.
4: Okay, cool. Listen, Sam, this is all I gotta say. this is one of those games now that doesn't come to Switch for like years, because I'm gonna be mad, I, that's now, why now I'm, 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 a now I'm interested about that release date, okay. <laughs> yeah, And I can't find well, anything about a Switch release.
2: Uh, and I'm, I'm a sucker for puns. I'm, I'm looking at the Steam's little trailer video, and it, it showed a, an, an attack, and it said, Unbelievable. Uh.
5: Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm still trying to figure out, I got a
1: medal that makes it so it says that every time. And I'm not sure if there's any real benefit to it other than that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That is hilarious. All right, thanks, Sam, for sharing that one. We'll have to keep an eye out for that for the Switch. Uh, Tyler, you wanted to bring another one that's uh, actually one that's been around for a while.
6: Yeah, um, well, you know what, I kind of thought about switching it up here because there was some Xenoblade hate earlier, so me and my uh, Xenoblade Pro <laughs> Controller going to just chill out for a little bit, but I actually did bring a prop. I've got a uh, Transistor. I ended up getting this, the physical copy. Um, this game, it, it's kind of hard to explain. I... I just picked it up. I was sitting at, around Best Buy, and Limited Run had their, I don't know if it's a partnership with Best Buy or what it is, but they uh, had a copy of it, so I picked it up. I knew it was a bit of a shorter game, uh, and so we started playing it. It's, I don't know, it took me about eight hours to finish. It is a fantastic game. Um, I think I, what I told him in my little message was like, hey, I can't stop thinking about this game. And that's really the bar for me for games is uh, I'll finish a game and then think, oh, that was great. Two weeks later, never thought about it again. This game, I can't stop thinking about. You basically, uh, it's really hard to explain. You got this big old sword that you kind of drag on the ground. And you, as you progress through the game, you get more and more abilities or attacks. And these attacks, you can all kind of blend into each other to give them all different effects. So as an example, there's like one that uh, shoots out a little ball or a beam, I don't know exactly what it is, and it just ricochets around and hits enemies. And you can attach that to an area of effect um, attack that sends out four exploding, I don't even know what to call them, four little exploding things. And then those start bouncing around. And so as you progress, you keep getting more and more abilities um, and you can keep combining them and it's just got this really beautiful story that's, it's told in kind of an odd way, kind of pretty standard it's just between fights uh, you're getting snippets of the world where basically uh, it's, it's this society where everybody's got a voice, everybody votes on how everything works, like hey, what color do you want the sky to be? Blue, red, orange, XYZ, everybody votes. And then whatever gets most votes, it just happens. Uh, and people are just attempting to, like the bad guys, I'd say, are attempting to get rid of the most influential of people. And you play as one of these more influential people. She's just known as Red. She's got red hair. Uh, and she's a songstress. So she's got this beautiful voice, and the start of the game, her voice was stolen, and so you're just you're playing as her, essentially, kind of trying to get your voice back, but also avenge some other stuff. Which is it's it's such a it's a complicated mess at the beginning, but it becomes very clear towards the end. Um, and I'm probably not doing it any justice at all, but the whole gameplay system is around all these attacks that you can keep combining, and you can kind of pause time and line up these attacks and you've got this meter that you can put all your attacks in each attack's going to take a different amount and then as soon as you unleash it you just do it immediately all these attacks and you've got to recharge so it's kind of a strategy type game um like i said i'm probably not doing any service here at all but if you want something with a very a beautiful story, nice short experience, uh, kind of a palate cleanser, I'd call it. Definitely pick it up. It, I, I feel like I've seen it go on sale multiple times in the past couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, it's how I picked it up actually. Uh, during the recent one, I picked up Transistor and uh, oops, and Bastion.
6: Oh yeah, yeah. It's made by company, super, yeah, super Giant Games. Yeah.
0: Yep. So I actually had both of these games on my Vita um, before I traded that in towards the purchase of my Switch when that came out. So uh, uh, I was happy to see it when this came out in 2018 uh, that I could get that. So that was one of my, one of the games that I was hoping would come over to the Switch was Giant Games. So, so you said
3: the game was I, like, what, seven to ten hours? Or is that what you said? Yeah. I th- it was two
6: sittings for me. My first sitting, I, it was about two hours, and I got just dragged away for other things. And my second one, I just sat down and finished it, I think about eight hours total, maybe. That might be a little bit of an overshoot, but yeah, it, it immediate, almost immediately goes right into a new game plus, so you can keep getting more abilities and trying out yeah. different methods.
3: That's what I was going to ask is, because I've heard good things about it, and like whenever I see LRG games at Best Buy, I'm like, ah, oh, I must have it. But uh, like once you beat the game... Um, where can you go from there?
6: Uh, so when you beat the game, there's you're not even, I'd say probably not even about halfway through getting all your abilities. Um, I haven't fully gone through my second playthrough on it yet, but starting uh, or just finishing the game, I noticed that a lot of the ability slots are still locked, and you can unlock those through just leveling up red and just moving forward. And each time you level up, it gives you... Like hey, um, you can get a new you get into attack for free. Um, you can get unlock a slot to either upgrade an attack that you're using, or just augment on one. Um, I think one mechanic I kind of missed here is that uh, kind of like in that Paper Mario type game. Sorry, I blanked on whatever that was called. Fables. Um, yeah, that one. Uh, so it sounded like you got the trade-off system where you get items where something good happens, but you also have a defect or something working against you. Um, So it has something like that here where you can get more experience and at that trade-off is you have things that are more difficult. So like when you defeat enemies, they I don't really know what to to call them. They, They drop kind of like these little orbs and you have to go grab them in a certain amount of time. Otherwise, the enemy respawns, making it a bit harder. So one of these augmentations is essentially you get 5% more experience, but you have to attack these orbs in order to pick them up because they have a shield. Um, so you can keep going new game plus, get new abilities, new augmentations, all this stuff. And I, th- I don't even know how many times it's going to take to really get all the way through to get all the abilities, but I'm, I'm on board for it
0: nice anybody else k- play this game or ready to buy this game
3: <laughs> I think uh, I think uh, I'll, I'll probably pick it up I don't know when I'll get to it but uh, um,
0: I'm actually surprised yeah, you don't have also, this on your shelf already because
3: yeah <laughs> I know I've been trying to like only buy games when I play them but I mean this one gotcha. I don't think it's not like a $60 game and I, I love like the twenty thirty forty dollar games and the... Uh,
6: yeah, I think uh, I looked at it. I think it's like $20 if you pick it up digitally on the eShop and goes on sale all the time.
3: Yeah.
1: This is yep. one of those that I think about buying, but um, I always tell myself I need to actually go back and beat Bastion first because I don't think I ever beat Bastion.
0: Nice. Well, with that, let's get into the story that we wanted to all hear. And that was Jesse's story about that <laughs> oof sound.
2: Yeah, so, episode 265 last night, I, I hit, kind of hinted that, because we were talking about the Intellivision Amico, and I said something and Marty went, oof, I'm like, funny you say that, because there's there's, it's a semi-related story, but I'm not, I wasn't going to get into it there. So I figured this is a good time to at least get into that, to share that story with, with, with everyone. So... Are you familiar with Tommy Tellerico? In
3: television guy, right?
2: Yeah, he's the current CEO of Intellivision, but before that he was he's been in the in the gaming game industry as a as a composer for years. He's done the video games live concerts. So he he's been around doing various things. You know, primarily musically, but you know, other things as well. So in Part of his, uh, so the the, other things he's composed over the years, he he created this this oof sound. I don't even remember what the game he put it in originally was, but whatever, wherever he uh, he has the rights, he owns the copyright on that uh, on that audio. Now Roblox comes. Uses it as their standard death sound, and this is you know, this is what it what it sounds like. So, and it, it's pretty much. You know, I, I've never played Roblox, but I've seen my son dabble with it when he was younger. And but with what I'm hearing, that you know that sound is like core to the game. You know, you know there's memes and, and uh, spin videos that use that sound you know in a joking joking manner so someone brought brought it to Tommy's attention and hey Roblox has this sound you know and th- this so communications between his lawyers and their lawyers started like last summer and the i just heard about the story recently like 2 or 3 weeks ago and it, Tommy's Twitter just started getting blown up by, by all these kids, who, from their point of view, Tommy—they think Tommy is trying to take Roblox away from them, which is the last thing he wants to do. Like one of the, the one of the funniest headlines that kind of came out, uh, or not necessarily headline, but just a, a Reddit topic or something, is Tommy plans to sue Roblox for a hundred million dollars which would put Roblox out of business and first Roblox is worth $2.1 billion so a $100 million lawsuit is not going to kill him and second, he's not asking for $100 million, yes he's asking for some compensation because he owns the right and he has his right to do so because and I, I heard a, an interview with Tommy last week, you know it, when he was also talking about what was going to be coming in the founders edition, and um, he kind of said more information. You know, obviously he's not going to disclose what the re- agreement is, but they, they are in agreement now. So, you know, pe- people were wondering, you know will will the oof sound have to go away, or will they have to pay him money? And we don't know what the final numbers are. But it sounds like they get to keep the sound, so there is some agreement going on, but. Uh, th- they found out that the reason why that sound got into the game in the first place, because, is Roblox was trying to do things right. You know, they bought a disc that someone sold with royalty-free audio, and used that sound from it. But whoever put that disc together didn't have the rights, or didn't check that it was truly royalty-free. So I don't know if they're going to go after him, them, if they're even still around anymore. I don't know who made that CD in the first place but that's ultimately the story of this oof sound uh, I thought it was kind of funny you know seeing all these kids who have who have no idea how copyright law works think that they're going to have they're out
3: that
2: the, 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 the greedy old man is trying to take their game away
3: I don't know I, I kind of wish I wish the greedy old man would take that game away um but the, the irony of all of this is the sound effect is like you couldn't just record that on a microphone here Here ready? Ooh. like <laughs> you had to get it off of a oh, disc. Yeah. <laughs> not that complicated.
2: Yeah. Well, they may not have a good recording studio. who knows what they what 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 they do and how they got the rest of their, their audio tracks. but yeah, thought I, I was amused by this whole story.
0: It yeah, is pretty funny.
2: If I, I think i never that headline, if, too. If I wasn't following the whole television thing,
0: I I would have never picked up on it. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Now we can put together what we've heard yesterday or on the you know the. what did you say it was two sixty five?
2: Yeah, it was it was last night's episode. Yeah, last night's episode. So yep. Say saying two sixty five for future listeners who mm. don't know what the what today is. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> So if you haven't heard that one, that episode yet, now now's your chance. So all right, well we've actually gone way over the, the hour I think here. So we ran a, I think we're full. We ran out of time or ran out of room for dessert. However, I won't take away the question for a whole dessert. I'll just say it's for an after dinner mint. So quickly tell me what RPG got you into this genre and why. Quickly. <laughs> Jesse,
2: why don't you start? Uh, okay. Uh, I, I My start's kept coming from playing Dungeons & Dragons when I was a kid. You know, I, I got I got into it. I had a friend who played it, so I, I had a stack of books this big to, to uh, got into it all. I had multiple sets of dice, so I really enjoyed playing some of people's dungeons, creating my own dungeons and whatnot. So what I find, found the original final fantasy and the original dragon quest i'm like these games are just like the tabletop games but the computer's rolling the dice for me i like this this is fun (laughs) so that's that and i've been a fan of of the genre ever since nice sam
0: why don't you go ahead
1: uh, yeah, believe it or not, Earthbound is the first RPG I can remember playing. <laughs> um, most people don't own an Earthbound cartridge, but my brother pulled one out of a Best Buy bargain bin for $8 in 1996. And yeah, I had no idea what it was or what with an RPG was. For, but with, with, with guide? Yeah, with the guide, we still have the guide. It has suffered some damage over the years. Uh, there was a basement flood that did a number on it. It's missing the back cover and probably a couple pages. Um, but he still has it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and to this day, I mean, it was, it was just a game I grew up with. So, like, and literally, sometimes when I call him on the phone... He will like answer the, because he knows it's me he will answer the phone with like a line from earthbound he'll say like you want sell things at me boing and i'll just be like
0: okay <laughs> that's a great story
3: john uh mid i when i was younger i always played mostly sports games with my older brother um i didn't really beat any single player games i didn't have the attention span uh, about mid-2000s, my wife and I both had a Game Boy Advance, and uh, Minish Cap came out. And so we bought, you know, back then you didn't buy multiple copies. We bought one copy of Minish Cap, and we kind of would trade it back and forth. And after, like, a couple days, it was a little frustrating. It's like, I want to sit down and play some Minish Cap, but she had it. <laughs> so I went to uh, Media Play, and uh, I f- saw Final Fantasy 1 and 2, um, the cartridge on GBA had both of them. Nice. And I was like, oh, I, I've heard of Final Fantasy and this is the first one and the second one. Um, so I'll play this in between times when I don't have Minish Cap. And I and, think yeah, that yeah, part started, was the
2: first time Final Fantasy 2 was ever released in, outside of Japan.
3: Yeah, and I love Final Fantasy 2. Um, but yeah, I started playing it and it was like, ooh, I really like this game loop. I really like this. And then next thing I know, the next couple months or whatever, next month was me playing just final fantasy until I was done with both of them. Um, and then I just started Minish cap all over again. So, and ever since then <laughs> I've, I've gotten into games. I've, I've grown to love grinding and, uh, I find RPGs relaxing. So, but that was the, uh, that was the start of it.
0: That is awesome. Chris, how about you?
5: Um, I think the one that really got me into it was actually world of Warcraft. Um, that was a game that I dove into and still play to this day. So, um, you know that's kind of been my springboard into other rpgs but that was the one that really you know kind of got me into it
0: very cool very cool oh. T- tyler
6: uh well you know what <laughs> i'm gonna go- join john go back to the game boy advance here uh i'd say i kind of mentioned it earlier mario and luigi superstar saga um that game was just great because you know everybody knows mario and luigi and seeing them go on this grand journey even if it is just to save princess peach at the beginning and it just evolves from there uh it i don't know it's just great fun challenging little mini games so many secrets to just find and really just move on with and then the entire series really that was great and that introduced me to so many new rpgs uh my favorite series of all time kingdom hearts which yeah, that, that's the something thing. And Xenoblade, I will stand by. Xenoblade's fantastic. Hate <laughs> on it all you want. I love it. Uh, yeah, no, I diehard love RPGs. Mario and Luigi Superstar
0: Saga, probably that beginning point. That is a good one. That was uh, one I beat on, on the GBA as well, the SP, so it was uh, it is a great game.
3: I just want to add, I love Superstar Saga so much, I I have a sealed copy of it. Oh, my
0: Lord. (laughs) Nice.
3: So, Player's choice. But, uh, yeah, I love this game. So I I bought two copies, and I have a sealed copy that I'll
0: just keep sealed forever. That's awesome. Nick, how about you?
4: Um, Yeah, so for me, it was Dragon Warrior um, because I got into it only because I had nothing else to play. And my mom signed me up for Nintendo Power, and it just kind of showed up one day.
2: Uh, that was going to be my first question is, did you yep. buy it or did you get the free
4: one? No, I got the free one. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I could barely read. And I remember just continually throwing myself at this golem over and over and over, having no idea that I probably needed to level up. And so I don't know if I ever even got past that golem, actually. But uh, yeah, that was the uh, that was the first RPG. And I never actually went back to that series. That's why, Jesse, when, when Dragon Quest Builders came out, I was done that I went to Discord immediately, and it was like this reminds me of Dragon Warrior. And then you schooled me on the uh, on the history of the two, which I appreciated. <laughs> so.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's essentially a sequel.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> that is so cool. Did that game when they gave that game away for free? Did that just come in a standard NES box, or
4: uh, I mean, you, you know, just... I don't really. I remember my mom giving it to me. Like maybe Jesse remembers, but all I need to remember is she's like, "Here's another game." All I had I, was Super Mario and Duck Hunt. So I, was I like, don't. <laughs> yeah,
2: I don't remember. You know, I, I was a Nintendo Power subscriber since day one. I was a member of the Nintendo Fun Club, which predated Nintendo Power, and and I remember playing Dragon Warrior. I just don't remember how I acquired it. It must have been through that free promotion. That's cool. But I don't, I don't remember what the packaging was
0: because. <laughs> That's cool. that is, I love hearing these kind of stories. This is so cool. I should, probably should have started with this. <laughs> but mine is, uh, along with Jesse's, it, it is D&D. It has started with the paper, the books, uh, just spending time with friends and in our own group, I guess, if, if you will. Just our own party of uh, taking care of uh, bad guys and stuff like that and just being creative and creative. It It actually had a D100. Yes.
2: Which which looked like a golf ball. That's twice the diameter of a normal golf ball. And when you get the thing rolling, it takes five minutes (laughs) for it to stop. Because there's no surface tension on that surface area. It touched the ground at all.
0: This is not a 100, but this is a big 20-sided die that I bought recently. (laughs) Because the one cool thing that they showed me that sold me on this was not only is it a big, you know, uh kind of like a, a translucent 20-sided die but um, one cool thing that it, they showed me and sold me which very good salesman in, in regards to this was they said do you have a phone with a flashlight I said yes I do and they told me to do this so I don't nice. know if it's coming through very good but yeah, put it on there and it, What's it, nice once and it focused lovely. on
2: the, the die instead of your head it really looked nice
0: can you to, put
3: something next to it? I can't tell how big that die is. Cause I have no scale. Do you have a banana or something? Yeah, there you
5: go. <laughs> banana for <scale.
0: laughs> a Quarter. What podcast do you run, John? Yeah. yeah, I don't have an eggplant. Sorry, you there an eggplant? eggplant. <laughs> right.
5: <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I heard they have dice now that actually have little micro. That are re- like rechargeable and they have little microchips in it. Yeah, and, it's all a Kickstarter for and, that. And well, are like Bluetooth compatible with your phone? So when you roll the dice, it'll show the results on your phone.
0: Yeah. And I saw some sort of Kickstarter. I don't know if it's the same thing, but it, this Probably, one I saw, I it, it glows, too. And depending on what you roll, it will glow a certain color or do a certain type of uh, lights.
2: So like reaction. you can have your critical 20 do something or your... Or yeah, I you did like, it like a failed. spinning
0: light around the 20 and then just flashed. So <laughs> it's so your, your, your
2: Your critical failure
0: 1 do something else. that. Right, yes. I don't know if
2: I want to put in the money for those type of dice, but having set of dice like that would be interesting.
0: It would be. It would be. So with that, I'd like to thank everybody for coming on and joining me for another. Well, this would be episode three. We've made it to a third episode, guys, <laughs> of the dinner. Congratulations. Table. Thank you, and with that, I'll say. Uh, actually, I'm going to I'm gonna end this differently. Uh, this being the third show, I'd say if you have a drink, you can raise your glass, and I'll say, may your gaming time be plentiful and fun, your backlog short, and your family's blessed. Good night, peeps. Hey. Good night. Good night. Hey.
3: Good night, everybody. Good night. You drive safe if you've been drinking. <laughs> <laughs>